So good morning. Uh, my name is Joel, and I'm one of the pastors here at Missio. Um, if you are a guest, welcome. We're glad you're here. Um, we've been in a series um, called Whole 20 Rhythms for Life. And we want to touch on, on this idea of wholeness in the year 2020. And wholeness is really about God bringing things back together, right? We, we talk about being broken people and fractured people and uh, sinful people. And really, we, we believe that Jesus is the one that brings wholeness again, that he mends those broken pieces, that he, he brings us back together and gives us what we call abundant life. So we began talking about this, and what, what we want to remind you is you're going to find that there's no one thing that will solve everything. Okay, there's no one practice. There's no uh, one habit. It's, it's actually a combination of habits and patterns and rhythms that lead us to holistic healing and health. And so that's what we want to touch on today and in this series called Whole 20, right? It's when we create these practices and these rhythms in our lives that um, we intentionally bring to the Father, we begin to actually feel um, this transformation process that we talk about as believers, okay? And so what I want to, to talk about today is rest again. Um, we've talked about the four rhythms as this, rest, restore, connect, and create. And last week I talked about rest, and most of you probably thought I was, as I introduced it, that I was going to be talking about Sabbath, because that's what a lot of times we, we think of, right? But we talked about just different rhythms and patterns that we, di- that we do. We talked about taking inventory, turning off and limiting our phone use, sleep, morning routines, learning how to say no, and being quiet. When we learn those type of daily rhythms of life, we take back what the culture desires from us. <clears throat> the culture is pushing us to be relentless, right? But when we rest, we actually can feel that restfulness and wholeness that God desires for us. So hopefully you had a chance this week to, to begin to, to take an inventory of your life, to, to begin to go, okay, what, how much time am I spending on my phone, in front of a screen, with social media? How much am I saying yes to and saying no to? And you begin to, to kind of cultivate this new pattern. But one of the things I want to talk about today and just give um, some specific time to and kind of dig a little bit deeper is, is Sabbath. Because Sabbath is, is kind of one of those confusing things that we see as believers. And we've been taught them in diff- taught about Sabbath in different ways. But we know that Sabbath isn't really easy for most of us. Some of you may have adopted a rhythm of Sabbath in your life already. While others, you may have irregular rhythms of just trying to, to take vacation and rest, right? 
And others, it might be a brand new concept where you don't even actually know what the Bible says about it. So today, we're going to look at it. And when, and when I'm thinking about Sabbath and I'm trying to go, okay, what, what does Missio as a community, what do we need to hear and what stops us from actually participating in Sabbath? I was coming up with some ideas and I was like, I think we actually don't know what Sabbath is. Some of us, uh, we don't think we need to practice it anymore because it's an Old Testament law. Um, we don't believe it's a good use of our time. For others, we don't know how to really engage it in the different stages of life. You're in classes and are, are, have a busy schedule, or you're moving from school to profession and work is taking up all your time, or you've had young children and, and got married and had young children, and it just, what do you, how do you actually participate in a Sabbath? Others, it might just seem too spiritual and too religious and unattainable. So for most of us, we just don't know where to start with Sabbath, right? And those are all valid reasons why we don't engage Sabbath. But today, we're, we're going to address some of those from a biblical um, understanding of Scripture and practical perspectives of how, Okay. So let's start with scripture. Um, here are two ways to understand Sabbath from, from the scripture. In Exodus 20, 8 through 11, it says this, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So the first point, the first idea here about Sabbath is Sabbath is an act of imitation. As believers and followers of Jesus and followers of God, this is what God did, so this is what we do. We learn and we imitate God. God gives commands and we try to obey them. We work towards understanding what that means, right? God rested after he created. He took a day of rest, and he commanded us to do the same. So it's good for us. If God rested, so should we. Right? That's what we talked about last week. There's these rhythms that Jesus was in, and he rested. He spent time with the Father. He pulled away. He still observed Sabbath. So, we imitate God, and we obey him, and we abide in his commands. The second thing that we see is um, found in Deuteronomy 5, 12 through 15. Deuteronomy basically is this long book that is, is really, it's the second giving of the law. It's because they had 
the Israelites had been with God for so long and had kind of lived out a couple generations and had forgotten what they were about. So God had to give the law a second time, which is Deuteronomy. And when he does give the law again, he says in chapter 5, 12 through 15, he says, observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Set it apart. As the Lord your God has commanded you, right? He commanded in Exodus 20 to do this. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Now listen to this. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe, observe the Sabbath. The Israelites were slaves for over 400 years. Right? The Israelites ended up in Egypt and they became slaves, building and working to the bone. They didn't get rest. They didn't have days off. For 400 years, generation after generation after generation after generation, they were slaves. This became their identity. They were owned by Egypt. They knew no different. In Egypt, as an Israelite, you worked or you died. Or you died from work, right? But you were just working to the bone. But this is what God reminds them of in Deuteronomy. I freed you. I liberated you. I took you out of Egypt. You are no longer slaves. Sabbath is an act of liberation. You are to rest because this is what free people do. You're to rest because you are free. You don't have to work yourself to the bone. You don't have to die out there working. I freed you. I liberated you. I am your God. This is what you were meant for. You have freedom, but you choose to go back to slavery. You need to stop and remember. That's the, that's the command in Deuteronomy. It, when I heard this, I was like, oh my gosh, that's so radical. It's so different. It's not a command just because God said to. It's a remember, you're free. You don't have to go back to the nine to five and just keep punching in and punching in and keep working and working. So again, two scriptural understandings of Sabbath, imitation and liberation. We do it because God did it, right? And we do it because we're free and we have a gift of rest. <clears throat> when we practice Sabbath, it reminds us of a few things. One, when we practice Sabbath, it reminds us we are not God. He is in control and we are not 
When we stop, the world does not stop. It just keeps going. And God is in control of that world. We can't always be in control. We are not God. So when you Sabbath, you just have to kind of just lay it down and let it be. Right? In Isaiah 41.10, it says this, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold, uphold you with my righteous hand. Right? How was Egypt delivered? By his righteous hand. You can trust that God is in control and you are not. It reminds you to do that when you Sabbath. The next thing, Sabbath is not a reward for hard work. <clears throat> Sabbath is a gift to be, to be present with our Creator. We think we need to be exhausted when we go to Sabbath. We carry a badge of honor saying, we work hard and we play hard, right? A lot of us enter into Sabbath with guilt if we aren't tired. If we haven't worked to the bone, we don't rest. This cultural, that's a cultural understanding of vacation, guys. If I work hard and I earn it, then I get a vacation. I get PTO. I earn it, right? I don't get to take a vacation until I actually have worked enough hours. But from God's perspective, Sabbath is not about that. It's a free gift. God says, this is a gift for you because I love you because I want to be with you. If you look at the very beginning of the Bible and the story of the creation of, of humanity, God creates Adam and Eve, and he gives them work, right? He gives an assignment to them. He says, have dominion over the fish of the ocean and the sea, over birds and of the, heaven, of the heavens and of livestock, and he gives them all these directions of how to subdue the land, and take care of his creation. He gives them work to do. But what does Adam get to do the first day? After Adam and Eve were created, it said on the set, they were created on the sixth day. It says, and God rested on the seventh day. So their first day on the job, they got to rest. They didn't work. They were given the assignment and then said, but wait, you get to rest with me. It's a gift. When we do that, we actually get to work from our rest, not rest from our work. You hear the difference? If we rest from our work, we're working hard, and then we get to play hard. Right? But we're actually saying, God's actually saying, you get to work from your rest. Be with me. Take time with me. Enjoy and delight in what I've given you. 
and then you get to go and work the next six days. And then you get to come back again, and you get to enjoy the day with me, rest with me, be with me. It's a beautiful rhythm that we've got backwards. We don't need to earn anything. We get to be present with God first. The third thing, Sabbath moves us from production to, um, and performance to presence. We are no longer slaves in Egypt. We were given this gift to be present with the Father. We get to rest and delight. We get a standing date with our Father. We get a standing date with our Father. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the thoughts I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. I've started this practice with my son at the beginning of his school year. I was like, I need to be present with my, my son more. And so we've started a practice of every Thursday morning before he goes to school, Middle school starts late, so it starts at like 9.15. So 8 o'clock, we drop off Addison here at Hayhurst, and then Kate and I will run to the bagel shop or to Starbucks or something like that. And we'll sit and we'll have a bagel and coffee. He has, you know, he doesn't have coffee, but, um, but I need to have my coffee. And he has, you know, a bagel and orange juice, and we'll just sit and we'll be. It's a standing date. We've only missed it once, and it was because he was sick. But I have told him, in that time, I'm not going to lecture you. I'm not going to talk about, you know, the things that dads kind of get on their kids about. I'm here. Tell me what's going on. Tell me what's going on with your life. Tell me what you're interested in. What's the, what's the newest, like, YouTube video that, you know, everybody's watching? What's the newest... Thing that people are talking about at school. I just want to hear about what's going on with you. I imagine that's what Sabbath is with God. I get to have a standing date with the Father. When I stop, I rest, I delight, right? And I listen. That's the standing date that we get to have with the Father. It's not about production and performance. It's not about whether my son gets straight A's or has all his homework done or is doing well in soccer. It's, it's about, hey, what do you like? What's going on with you? What do you enjoy? Right? My father, my heavenly father wants that with me. It's not about my performance anymore. It's about just being present. Last thing, our work will remain incomplete. Sabbath reminds us that our work will remain incomplete. There's always going to be an email to answer. There's always going to be a meeting to schedule. There's always going to be dishes that need to be washed, clothes that need to be laundered. It's always going to be there, guys. So it's not 
one more thing, one more thing until I can rest. It's I got to trust that I can put it down and the world's going to keep going. God's still going to be there and with me when I stop. This is one of the hardest things for me. On Mondays, I take my Sabbath, and I regularly get text on that Monday from different people. And it's hard for me to not want to answer back, because usually it's regarding church or some meeting that I'm trying to set up later that week. And I've had to learn to go, it's still going to be there Tuesday. For most of us, our work is not going to be life or death. For some of you doctors, it probably can be, and you have the permission to actually respond to those life and death situations. But most of the time, that email that you need to answer can be answered tomorrow. That text that you need to respond to can be responded to tomorrow. And it's a discipline that you just kind of learn to say, I can put this down because it will be there. My work will stay incomplete. Right? What that does when we do this, it reminds us that we are not God. Sabbath is a gift. It's not about our performance. Our work will remain incomplete. So we can rest. We can rest. Rebecca Lyons says this in her book, Rhythms of Renewal. She says, we must Sabbath. The practice is essential for our ability to grow in mental, emotional, and spiritual health. We cannot run if we cannot rest. If we infuse all the other habits into our lives and fall and fail to do this, everything else is at risk. You can have the best spiritual practices. You can knock it out of the park with the rhythms of rest, restore, connect, create. But if you don't actually stop for a day and in a rhythm of rest with the Father, it's all at risk. This is a practice that I'm, I'm learning. And Dom and I have had tons of conversations about this over the last few years about how to Sabbath, what's, um, what's healthy Sabbath look like. And so um, we decided this week that we were going to tag team this. And so I'm asking Dom to kind of finish and wrap this, this series up or this message up. And he's going to talk about, yeah, what does it look like practically to Sabbath? And so Dom's going to finish us up here. I don't know about you guys, but that sounds like a bunch of laziness to me, doesn't it? <laughs> Ten years ago, honestly, that's kind of how I thought, and that's what I felt. Uh, I think I shared when I opened up this series with you guys that um, kind of the schedule I was working in my early 20s and even late 20s, and the way that I'm wired, I've discovered over the years, is it's, it's to produce, it's to perform, it's to go, 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 and not stop a lot. Really, that statement where Joel said he was thinking about what are some of the barriers for our community or different people that we talked to, and the one that said, 
that sounds like a really poor use of time. I, I gave him that one because that's the way I used to think. Um, but one of the key things that God taught me about 10 years ago was that Sabbath is about relationship and it's not a religious practice. Because I think we could hear all the things that Joel just stated and read from scripture and talked about, and we could still maybe have this mindset that Sabbath is, oh, it's a religious practice that, you know, I, I maybe can or can't choose to do. Um, but what I want to really focus on as I wrap up here and share some personal things is that Sabbath is about relationship. It's not about religious practice at all. Um, if you look back at Exodus again, Exodus 21 to 17, I want to read the whole list of the Ten Commandments uh, together. And it, it says this. It says, And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall, know, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourselves a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven or above, or in that is on the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not, make the, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. And remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is, is the Sabbath day to the Lord your God. And on it you shall not do any work, you or your sons or your daughters or your servants or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and, restored on the, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbor's. And that's the list of the Ten Commandments. If you pause for a second and think about it, every single one of those commandments had to do with a relational element or aspect, did it not? If we were to put them up there in a list of ten, you would see that one through three our commandments or instruction relating to our relationship with God. Five through ten have to do then with relating to one another here on this earth. And right there in the middle, kind of almost in the middle, is number four, which almost seems out of place, keeping the Sabbath. But if you look at the context of the whole, if all of it, if one through three are about relationship and five through ten are about relationship, then what do you think number four is about? It's about relationship. And I think really what the Sabbath is, is it's kind of the mediator between the relationship between God and man. What the Sabbath shows us is that in light of who God is, and God again starts this commandment here and he starts it in Deuteronomy, he starts them both with, remember who I am. I am the God that freed you from slavery. And Joel has already spoken well about that, so I won't say anything more. But God starts and gives this command, reminding people first and foremost of who he is. And then he's saying, in light of who I am, this is who you are in number four. You're a person yeah, who's no longer a slave, but you're a child. A child of mine that I've created in love to relate to me, to know me. And in light of who I am, this is, here you, this is who you are. And when you understand and know who you are in light of who I am, then you can actually go and live out commands five through ten in the proper way. 
because you can live out the relationships I've given you here on this, this plane only rightly when you're living out your relationship here on this plane with me. Understanding who I am, a God that has freed you in love and in grace, and yes, created you to work and produce and, and reign and rule over all that I've created. I've called you to partner with me in that, but before I've called you to do even that, I've called you my son, I've called you my daughter. I've called you to know me in love and to rest in my grace and to abide in that. And when you do that, then you can go out and produce in the way that I've called you to, and it will actually bear fruit that will last beyond yourself. And it was this focus on relationship, honestly, that about 10 years ago really grabbed my attention and caused me to go, oh yeah, like I need to be obedient to this command. And even more than that, I had to acknowledge my heart longed for this aspect of relationship with the Lord. My heart longed to know and to relate to God in the way that, that Joel described those Thursday mornings with his son. I didn't grow up with a dad like that. I've never had a coffee hour with my dad in my whole life where he just sat and we delighted in one another. I'm, again, I'm wired to produce. I'm wired to perform. I'm wired to do more and more and more. And yet God called me out on that and just said, but are you willing to be in relationship with me? <laughs> are you willing to rest with me? Are you willing to delight with me? And so about 10 years ago, I began to respond to that. And what I really believe that Sabbath calls us to then is a 24-hour period of rest. Within our seven-day week, one 24-hour period where we rest, where it's not about production, it's not about performance, it's not about doing stuff, it's not about achieving anything, it's not about receiving a reward, but it's, it's about rest. 24 hours where God says in both Deuteronomy and in Exodus, he says it's holy, meaning holy to means be to set apart. But even more fully, it's to set apart to God, for God and his purposes. And I believe the greatest purpose of God in all of the world is the purpose of relationship. It's the call to relationship. The purpose which he sent his son into this world is so that you and I might have relationship with him. And so when God says set the, the, the one day apart, a 24-hour period apart, I believe he's saying set it apart for my purposes, set it apart for the purpose of relationship, of knowing and being known by me, the one who created you. I want to talk practically about um, what that's looked like in my life because I'm in a season, Joel got to share about, again, his son, and his kids are a little bit older. Uh, you guys know I've got... Uh, one-and-a-half-year-old and a four-and-a-half-year-old. And that's not the easiest time to Sabbath in terms of stage of life. And so I want to talk practically and share a couple things. Um, what I've had to learn is that this call to abide in a new rhythm of grace or uh, this call to, to Sabbath, I think, yes, is, is weekly on a 24-hour aspect. But I think, again, the heart of God and in terms of his call that we would learn to abide in grace would be really to think about even our days. Like, what does it look like in, in one day to have a space and a time where I abide, where I rest, where I relate to the Lord. And then in my week, yes, a 24-hour, so one, one, 20, one 24-hour period out of seven days. And then even in a month, what does it look like on a monthly basis to go, I've got this set of time set apart for relationship with the Lord. And then annually, going, okay, where, where are my vacations? I'm, I'm horrible. My wife sometimes will be like, when's our vacation for this year? I don't know. I got stuff to do. Well, when are we going on vacation? Well, we'll get to it when we get there. And I think a, a, a Sabbath practice and, and working from a place of rest would actually mean that we look at our calendar and I need to be more intentional and go, okay, honey, here's where we can take vacation this year. And we put those in first. We put those in in the schedule. And then I, I plan the things around that because why? That, again, would, wouldn't it be us working to earn the vacation. It would be to say, no, we, vacation is, is given. It's there. Let's take it so that we have it in, in the rhythms of life so that now out of that place, we're working in the seasons after that. 
And that's become something that I, that's, that's when I still struggle with the most. Somebody asked me recently, when are you taking your expectation this year? I said, I don't know. We got to look at the calendar. We got to just do it. Um, but let me, let me share about with, with kids. So Sabbath on a daily rhythm before I had kids was beautiful. <laughs> um, Monday is my Sabbath. And so before I had kids, I had a daily rhythm. Where I'd do extended time with the Lord in the morning. Um, and then I would spend time however I wanted. I'd sit quietly with the Lord often. I'd exercise actually. Uh, I'd connect with friends possibly. I'd do a project that was like life-giving to me, something that wasn't to produce to like a, a, a chore, but something that would just allow me to create and use my hands in the ways that I enjoy doing that I don't get to do anymore. Um, it was a much slower paced day. I definitely wouldn't work. I wouldn't open my computer and I would try and disconnect from my phone as much as possible because yeah, Mondays I would get to the text, the calls, whatever. Um, and then Sabbath after kids, if I'm honest, I was really, really frustrated because I, I, learned, I learned a good rhythm of Sabbath and then Otis was born. And my morning routine went out the window often because of the way he slept or didn't. And then my Mondays were no longer um, all just for myself, but now my Monday was with Otis because um, Christine was working at that time and so Monday was my day off. And so I would, I would hang out with Otis. And I, I was really frustrated for the first probably six months of his life. <laughs> and I, I was talking with a mentor and he said, Dominic, you just need to find new rhythms of abiding. And he goes, what would that look like for you to find new rhythms of, of abiding for this season of life? The season you had before is over. Now you're in a new season. What does it look like for you to find new rhythms of abiding? Because God's grace is still there. God's invitation for relationship hasn't changed. God's desire to relate to you is always going to be there but your circumstances in life have shifted. God has not. So how do you find new rhythms of abiding in this season when you're a young dad with young kids? What does that look like? And so I had to begin to do that, and I found just various ways um, to think about my day with Otis differently. And I had to find and, and come, to, come to find out that, yeah, God's grace is always present, and he is always there wanting to relate to me. And so I, I found some different ways to do that, and I'll, I'll save that for a second, because then I had another kid. And so I'd gotten into a nice rhythm with Otis for about two years, and then Mason came along. And guess what? I got really, really frustrated again. Because now my Sabbath wasn't only with one kid. Guess what? It was with two kids. So it didn't get any easier, as you all know. And during the time that, of that season, uh, when Mason was first born, Christine wasn't working now. But so my Sabbath actually was about caring for my wife and allowing her to experience Sabbath because she was with the kids all the time while I was out at work. So Monday, even though I wasn't working here, I would go home and I would hang out with the boys so that she could go Sabbath and get away from the craziness. Now we found little ways that we would share the day and I'd go get a couple hours and she'd go get a couple hours. But I had to realize in that season, my call as a husband was not just to think about my own rest, but it was also to think about the rest of my spouse. How does my spouse get to participate in Sabbath? time where she's not working and doing what she is constantly doing in this season? How do I love her? Because her wholeness is, guess what? My wholeness. Her well-being is part of my well-being and my family's well-being. So I, had to, I felt like God was saying, you need to honor your wife and give her space and time in that. So now, right now, Christine actually just took a job again um, about two months ago. And so Monday is still me and it's just the boys. And what I've, what I've discovered is this. I definitely don't touch my computer. Um, I try to disconnect from my phone as much as possible. I take a much slower pace in that day on Mondays with my boys. I, I actually talk with them. <laughs> I play with them. And what I've come to discern is that because I've this, this paradigm shift for me that Sabbath is not a religious observance or practice, but that Sabbath is about relationship, I've actually come to really, really cherish my Mondays. As crazy as it is, 
as many diapers it involves, as many extra bags it takes to carry because of all their gear and all that stuff. What I've learned is that when I look at the rest of my week, there actually is no other day and no other time where I get that much open space and time just with my boys. So I've come to view Monday Sabbath, even though it's work because I'm a dad with two young boys, I've come to view it as a really beautiful day. I've learned how to delight in that day again by thinking of Sabbath about a call to relationship, not a religious observance. And so Mondays actually too, Otis has a doctor's appointment every week that we have standing doctor that we have to go to. And sometimes I get to drop Mason off somewhere, it's just me and him. And in the car, the dude asks the craziest questions. And I actually have a day and time where I'm not rushing and I can, I can engage them. And we actually can stop sometimes and pull over if he sees something on the side of the road and we just look and we watch cranes, we watch trucks. I don't get to do that any other day of my life. But on Mondays, sometimes I get to just do that. I get to just be a dad and allow him to just be my four and a half, five-year-old son that we get to just delight in one another. But I'll be honest, I wasn't wired that way. I'm not wired that way naturally. I didn't grow up with that model or example from my dad but I've had to look at the way that God as a father looks at me as a son and I believe calls and beckons me to this and again, be honest that my heart longs for that and responding out of the longing of my own heart that says, yes, I want to rest and I want to delight with you, God, because you're wanting to delight with me. And so, yeah, it's not necessarily restful in the way that you might think, but for this season, it's my rest and I love it. And so I share that for the, because I know that we're all in different seasons of life here. And so Sabbath, again, we don't, we're not trying to say religiously, here's the Sabbath practice, here's what it is. But for you in your season of life, where you're at, your stage of life, what could, what does Sabbath look like? How could a call and a response to God's invitation to relationship and to resting, to slowing down, to delighting for one day a week, what could that look like for you? And so here are a few questions that I want you to consider. What, what keeps you right now in this season from setting aside a particular day as your Sabbath? What is it? Be honest. List out the things. What are the mindsets that you hold? What are the practices, the examples passed down to you from your family of origin? What are the, what are the lies? What are the things that you hear? What are the voices in your head tell you that say you can't do a Sabbath? Number two, what are the barriers that keep you from a day of rest? Is it your work? Is it the pressures of extracurricular obligations that you keep saying yes to? Be specific. Again, think, think honestly and practically and specifically with yourself. What, what are they? Name them so that you can actually then deal with them. And then number three would be, how might practicing Sabbath be beneficial for you and for your family if you have one? List that as well and think practically. What, what would be the benefits of this? How, how might this rest actually begin to combat and battle against some of the things that I'm feeling right now? The anxieties, the pressures, the stresses the physical, emotional, spiritual health that I'm not engaging that I want to? How, how might those things come into, come into play for me? Um, and I would say, honestly, di- dialogue about this. I think Sabbath is something that we, we ought to be more mindful of actually encouraging and holding one another lovingly accountable to. I think our culture, again, applauds the keep going, keep grinding, the side hustle, all that stuff. But what, what culture is finding out is it's actually not that beneficial. And so how do we, as followers of Jesus, imitate him, as Joel pointed out? How do we learn from him and walk in his ways? And how do we embrace this and practice this and encourage one another? Again, not in religion, in religious practice, but in relationship. Calling one another to delight, to enjoy 
relationship with the Lord. And so um, this morning, there's two things we want to do in response to this. Uh, the first one is that we, we want to come to this table and take communion. Um, because this, this table is a tangible, clear reminder that we are not slaves. We're children. <laughs> We're children of the living God. We're loved. Yes, we serve God. But first and foremost, we're his kids. And so this is a reminder of Christ coming into this world, taking upon himself the burden of everything, and even declaring at the end of it, as he's on the cross, declaring it's finished. The cultural demands, the cultural identities, the lies, the falsehood, the things that we get wrapped up in, all the, all the enslavements of this world, it's finished. They're done. I've paid for it. I'm setting you free from them. So I invite you this morning to come and dialogue with the Lord about these questions and about relationship with him. Take that cracker, which represents Christ's body broken, and dip it in the juice, which represents his blood shed, for your freedom, <laughs> for you to learn to live and walk in the rhythms of grace. But before we do that, I want to play, we're going to play a song. Um, we're going to play a song that's called Not in a Hurry. And I want to invite you just to, to sit here even in this moment and rest and to listen to it. The words will be up on the screen, so if you want to, if you're visual, open your eyes and see it. But I invite you to listen to it, and then after we do that, then the worship team will come up and lead us out in a couple songs, and, and that's why I'd invite you to open this table. But let me just say a, a quick prayer, and then we're going to just worship together. Father, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for the call to remember who you are, that you are a gracious and loving and kind Father that has created us for relationship with you, created us to rest in your goodness and in your love and in your grace, and out of that place then go and create and work and, and, and do beautiful things in partnership with you to redeem all of your creation. God, in this moment, as we listen, as we meditate upon the words of this song, would you express your heart to us? Would you speak to each one of us in the way that we need to hear it this morning? Thank you for this table. Thank you for the way that you made Jesus for us to live in relationship with you, God, our Father, our Creator, and Holy Spirit, the one who leads and guides us in truth. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.